everybody. I'm glad to see all your smiling faces here this morning. But, I mean, I'm glad y'all, the ones who decided to come out, I appreciate it. You know, we just pray the Lord sees y'all home safely. But I want to, you know, something that's kind of been on my heart since actually last week, and Thomas hit on a little bit, you know, preaching is so important these days to everybody, not just the people sitting in the church, but people outside of the church doors, you know. And it all comes back, if you think about it, that thief on the cross. You know, Thomas hit a little bit on this last week. How did he know to ask Jesus to remember him in heaven or in paradise? He said in paradise. Let me correct that. How did he know that? There's only one way he'd know that is by the preaching of the word. Because this man was in jail, going to be crucified right beside Jesus. You know, he wasn't running around. He actually heard the gospel through preaching. That, you know, it don't, you know, but he don't talk about that in the Bible a lot. But he had to hear the word from somebody, right? So that's why it's so important for us as a church to tell other people, you know, We may not stand behind a pulpit and preach to the church, but we can preach to people outside of these doors. Just like that thief on the cross, he got preached to probably in jail by somebody or by Jesus. Who knows? But preaching is really important. Telling people about the gospel, telling people about Jesus Christ is really important, whether they want to listen to it or not. You know, he might have been just in one ear and out the other out the other until he got on that cross and seen what he seen. You know, it took then for him to accept it. You know, not everybody's going to accept it when you preach it to them. So we have to preach it to them anyways. You know, that's something that, that I'm, I'm learning. That, you know, you got to tell people whether they want to hear it or not. It might not sink in right then and there, but it might sink in when they're on their deathbed. And... Lord, it, that's the way it is. That's the way it is. There's a deathbed confession, whether you like it or not. So just remember that. We need to preach to everybody outside of these doors, in your work. You know, if you bump into somebody at Walmart, it starts up a conversation, you know. Or if the Lord's leading you to talk to somebody. You know, I, I, I put this in example, right? When I got my maintenance job, I started you know, all over the plant. And there was a guy that was on a line. He was a coordinator, a line leader, whatever you want to talk to him. And I started talking to him then and gave him one of our cards. You know, in the three years that I've been in the shop, he's actually turned his life back around to Jesus. So just, you know, just the initial conversation, it took time, but it was in God's time that he gets the glory for bringing him back because he had once saved, turned his way, and went the other way, and then turned back. But it's, you know, it's three years. So just remember that. It don't matter how little of a word you say or how much you say or when you say it. It's going to make an impact somewhere down the road, I promise you. Dear Lord in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. And Lord, I thank you 
that we have heat in this building this morning, Lord. I thank you that the roads was clear enough for us to come in to celebrate you this morning, Lord. I ask you to anoint the preaching this morning, anoint the singing, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to touch the ones that could not make it here that are watching by by online, by their phone, by their computer, by their TV, whatever it is, Lord, I ask you to touch them right where they are, Lord, because you know what we need, Lord. I ask you to touch my back, Lord, where I fell on the snow, Lord. I ask you to touch me and help me get through the day, Lord, as we go on, Lord. And, Lord, I just thank you for everything you're doing. Amen. Well, I started out with a made of mind, a one-day cross. The finish line, I'm pressing toward the market for the prize. Oh, at times I've had to stand my ground when Satan tried to turn me around, but I will not be hindered by his lies. Oh, I'm not gonna walk away. I've got too much at stake. I've come too far. Oh, devil. Every battle 
Good to see everybody this morning. The strange, some of the strangest things happened this week. Lisa and Grace said, we had no snow. <laughs> and she said, we pray for no snow. And they show you the pictures. There's no snow on their property around them. And then I got to thinking about the other ones that are stuck at home with kids. I think the kids were praying for snow. <laughs> But it's been, I don't think anybody expected what we just got. Nobody was prepared, I don't think. But you know what? It is what it is. We just deal with it and go on. Amen. We're glad everybody came to church this morning. Jerry, good to have you. Jerry said, I've been shut in all week, and I'm ready to get out. (laughs) So it's good to see you this morning. And thank you to those that are watching. And I hope the rest of the church you're watching. Amen, that you're having church, that you don't let that stop you from being a part of your church online, because this is that's what the online stuff is for right there, for the people that can't get there, the people that don't have a church, or situations just like this, even though you can't make it, you can still be right here participating through the camera, don't, don't, don't let anything distract you, turn your television off, turn the coffee pot off right now, set it to the side, put the cookies up. Wait until church is over, <laughs> amen. But so it's good to see everybody this morning. And according to the forecast, you sometimes they're right. But next week looks like it's going to be a lot better. Warming up, rain's coming, and get rid of all this stuff. And we, but but we don't ever know what could come from there on. So <laughs> pray. We got what well, we're January, middle of January. We could have one more month of bad weather, maybe, and then March we can sail on, amen. But praise the Lord. I'm really glad we got to come have a church. Of course, Wednesday we came personally and just did a, a live stream uh, video because um, the parking lot was just totally covered, and we didn't want to take any chances on anybody. I told Brian this morning I blocked that because I don't want anybody in the pond over there on ice and because everybody don't know how to drive in the snow either. I promise you that. And some people don't need to be on the road when it's... <laughs> Some don't need to be on the road when it's raining. <laughs> but praise the Lord. 
<laughs> if you just, I mean, it's not really that hard. If you slow down, you think about what you're doing and use common sense, it's really not, but forget all that. We got crazy people all over the world. Amen. We're going to take up the offering this morning. And so we want to ask you, those that couldn't make it, uh, and you're not here in person, you know, we've had that, we got online giving. If you want to give your tithes and offerings online there, and you're able to do it, those that are not a part of the church, watching from other areas, you can help us this morning to give, to do what God's called us to do here. And, uh, we're just trusting the Lord for this year, for what He wants for us, what He wants us to do, where He wants us to go. We don't really know just yet. And I'm just not going to jump out and run and try to make, plans about you know try to do things that i'm not sure about if the lord's not in it i'm gonna wait on the lord and do what god says so we're waiting on him to open the doors show us what to do show us where to go in the meantime keep on giving because we're going somewhere i guarantee you the lord we're going to preach the gospel in some other country sometime soon i believe it so pray for us pray that god will help us to find what he wants pray that he'll show us exactly what he wants we get requests from people all the time especially through the internet but i you know most of them i just ignore them i put them to the side because i can tell it's just somebody who wants money uh they claim they got an orphanage they claim they're taking care of all these children and stuff and that's well usually when they send you that stuff it's not worth messing with because too many of them, they use that stuff, and they use those kids as a way to try to get money. And one day, you're going to stand before God. If you're watching this, you're going to stand before God if you're telling lies and you're using children to promote your lies. That's evil. It's wrong, and it's a sin. And so we don't respond to most of the stuff like that. But once in a while, we get legitimate messages from people that we feel like God connects us with. So that's the kind of people we want. Somebody that don't ain't in it for the money. They care about souls. They want somebody to come and preach so that people can get saved. And praise God, if it adds to their church, it adds to the church. Amen. So give this morning if you're able to. Let's pray and let's ask God to bless it. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you today for your word. We thank you for the spirit of God. You said where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. And Lord, we have more than two or three this morning. And we have more than two or three online. So we pray, God, that you touch them, that you bless them, that you speak to them. Let this time be a time of of hearing and understanding the Word of God, Lord. We thank you this morning that your Word is truth, your Word is powerful, your Word is real, and it can change our heart and change our life. Bless this offering, bless those that give today, and touch them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. you hold
He is Lord. But is He Lord of your life? Amen. That's the only thing that really matters. A lot of people say He's Lord, but is He really Lord? Does He really rule everything? Does He really control everything? He wants to be in full charge of our lives. Amen. He don't want a piece of it. He wants all of it. He wants all of our decisions to be brought to Him, our lives to make Him, everything we're, we're planning to do. He wants it to be brought to Him and find out what He wants. And if He says, okay, that's okay, that's fine, you want it and I want it for you, you go for it. But if He don't, then you wait. Amen. Nothing wrong with waiting. It's just hard for us to do, especially when you want something that you want. If we have to learn how to want what He wants. Amen. This morning we're going to go to, to the book of Hebrews chapter 4. I was reading this week in my daily Bible reading earlier in the week and I come through chapter 3 and chapter 4 and I just could not get past this. Uh, I kept on and kept on going back to it so I felt like the Lord was stopping me here to preach on this this morning. Hebrews chapter 4 and I want to start reading at verse 9. The Bible says, man y'all are quick. <laughs> Hebrews 4 and 9 says, There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he who is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. I didn't have a clue what Michaela was going to sing this morning, but what she started off with when she started singing that song in practice, I'm not going to turn away. I've got too much at stake. I've come too far to turn back now. Every battle that I have fought will soon be forgot because I'm trading this old cross in for a crown, and the Lord touched me when she was singing that, and gave me, I feel like, a title to this message: "No Turning Back." No turning back, and I'll explain it more as I feel like what the Lord has given me this morning, that it will all understand it. Let's pray, Lord. We come to you in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, the name that the Bible says one day every knee is going to bow to. And every tongue, whether they want to or not, they're going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He did die on the cross, He shed His blood, and He was raised from the dead, that we can come into eternal life and have a relationship with You, Lord. So we thank You this morning that we have access today. There's nothing blocking our way. We're coming through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you said we can come boldly to the throne of grace to get whatever it is that we need in our time of need. Lord, and we need change today. We need a touch. We need peace. We need guidance. We need direction, Lord. There's people that are watching that don't don't even understand what they believe. They don't understand the word. And I pray, God, that you open it to them this morning as they sit in front of that phone, the internet, the computer, whatever, that they would stay, they would listen, they would learn, and that you would show them, Lord, there's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to be delivered from sin, and it's through the blood of your Son. 
And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 4 is a warning, really, against unbelief. And the reason that the, the whole reason that the book of Hebrews was written, I personally believe Paul wrote it. Uh, I don't, don't really matter what people think about whether he did or not. I personally think he did because of the things that were said. But nevertheless, it doesn't really matter who wrote it. It's the word of God. And if it's a warning, then we need to, look, we all want to talk about the blessings and we want the blessings, but we take heed when it comes to blessing time, but do we take heed when it comes warning time? Do we take heed when, look, the Bible has a lot of positive things to say about salvation or life, but it also has some negative things to say. Because we in this church, and I've said this, and I made somebody mad earlier this week because I posted it on Facebook, but I don't care. You can get over it. That you are, we don't believe in once saved, always saved. We do not believe that you can give your life to Jesus Christ one day and somewhere down the road you turn your back and you go out into sin and you don't care anything else about him. As a matter of fact, you find yourself ridiculing the gospel, ridiculing the God you once believed in, and you think that, that you'll be okay. The Bible does not teach that. And most people will say, well, if somebody is doing that, they didn't get saved to begin with. You're wrong. You're wrong. And the reason you believe that is because you listen to somebody tell you a lie. You've listened to somebody that's not preached the truth to you. man befriended me a couple of weeks ago on Facebook. I just accepted. I didn't know who he was. He lives in Athens. And I made a post there about this. I put up some scripture about unbelief and you can lose your way. You can, you can depart from the living God. And it's just as many of the children of Israel, they died in the wilderness. Many of them, they lost their souls because of their unbelief. He got irate. He come on my Facebook, you know, trying to argue. I said, sir, I'm not going to argue with you. You, if you want to argue, you can go find somebody else to argue with. I know what I believe. I put scriptures up. He said, well, if you're going to put stuff like that on your page, I don't want to be a part of it. I said, bye. He said, I'll block you. I said, bye. Because I know what I believe. I ain't changing. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the Bible does not teach that once you're saved, you're always saved. No matter what you do later on, it don't teach that. And this town is full of false teaching. And you've got your Baptist churches that teach that mess and probably others too. It don't matter how you're living. Oh, God's on your side. You can cheat on your wife. You can get drunk on Saturday night. You can sleep around with everybody. You can cheat people. You can lie to people. You can you can steal from people. Everything's okay. No, it's not. It ain't okay. You're being lied to. You're being deceived. And the the reason that this here was written was to warn believers. They, look, these this was a warning to Jews. Who had, what Brian said this morning, that was good. Who had heard the gospel. 
These, these were people who were in Judaism and that thought came to me before you even said that this morning. I was in the office. That came to me that these people that Paul wrote to or whoever wrote this to, they heard the gospel. Somebody preached to them that, hey, salvation is not in the law. There is no salvation in keeping commandments. There is no salvation in water baptism. There is no salvation in keep trying to keep the Ten Commandments. You must accept Jesus Christ because He fulfilled the old covenant. There is a new covenant. As a matter of fact, He is the new covenant. And if you want salvation, if you want freedom from sin, if you you want to have a relationship with a living God, come to Jesus Christ and believe in Him. And guess what happened? Many did. But you know what that also meant? They had to forsake the religion. They had to leave some synagogues. Some of you watching are going to have to leave some synagogues if you're going to embrace the truth. You're going to have to leave some of them so-called churches full of legalism and law-keeping and putting demands on you that you can't keep and they can't keep. And so for, for them to accept Jesus, it meant that they had to let go of the old way. And you know, today, it's no different. Jesus is the new covenant but so many people are still stuck in the old. Their old ways of thinking. Their old ways of doing things. When in reality, all that stuff does is creates bondage and misery in your life. Jesus brings peace and joy. You see, when you got a relationship with Jesus, it's not misery and bondage to go to church. It's joy. Even when there's snow on the ground. It's not a bondage. It's joy. The things of God are not miserable. But when you're living under a law, you're having demands put on you so you, you have to do it. And if you don't, you're not as good as we are. That's all that law can do. So many of these Jews who had heard the gospel, they got saved. They came to Jesus. They heard the word. They were, they were doing good for a while. But you know, there was a lot of persecution going on in that day and time. Persecution from the government. Persecution from religious government. Persecution from Family members. You see, because here's one, here's a problem here that happens a lot. Some of y'all, you know that what I'm about to say, you know from experience. When you accepted Jesus Christ, and I'm going to say a little more than that. Let me go a little further. When you accepted Jesus, you got saved, your whole life changed, and some of your family members thought you were a little cuckoo, thought you were off the wall, and they you know, probably laughed it off, didn't think a whole lot about it, or maybe they didn't want much to do with you anymore or whatever. But as you go on living for the Lord and you continue to tell people, listen, salvation 
what I have, what you see in my life, didn't come from me. I had people try to tell me, you know, when I told you I was in the air conditioning business and I would go out and I would tell my testimony to people. And sometimes people would say, you did a real good job then in changing your life. I said, no, I did not. God did it. No, I, and you see that you got to be careful of letting people trying to give a man the credit. And, and I said, no, I didn't. I couldn't change my life. God did it. Jesus did this. But as you go on living for the Lord, you've accepted Him, then problems come. And then you got problems in church. You got problems on the job. You got problems in your family. But here, here is the effort of the devil right here. When these problems come, when opposition comes, as it did here with them, when the pressure gets put on you so strong that you don't know if you can take it anymore, it's then that you will find out how strong you are in the Lord. It's then, listen, it's then that you will find out how close to God you really are It's then that you will find out if you really believe the message of the cross and you trust solely in Jesus Christ alone. It's then. And see, when the pressure comes, God lets that happen. God lets it happen to us. Now, God's purpose is to grow us. God's purpose is to mature us because the devil is trying to tempt us. He wants to pull us away while God says, I want to build you. I want to make you stronger. I want to promote you. I want to grow you. And so in the midst of the trial, you got a choice. Your choice is this. You continue to embrace the gospel that saved you. And trust solely in Jesus and what he did on the cross and that alone. You don't have to know everything about it. You just believe it. And Satan comes along and he starts attacking. He attacks through your family. That's one of the hardest things I believe that for the Christian to get over. Family. The ones you love so much, you know, or your, your husband, your wife, your children. And all of a sudden, everything flips. And you find yourself being pressured. And the devil says, here's what the devil says. The devil says, you'd be better off in another church. Here's what the devil says. He says, you know, you wouldn't have as many problems if you would just quit listening to all that stuff Thomas is preaching. You wouldn't have as many problems if you just did this or or you just did that. And what he wants you to do is to back up or here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to go back to where you came from. What's that? Law. That dead church, 
that dead religion, that wrong way of thinking about the Bible. He wants the, he wants under the pressure, he wants us to turn back. Why? Because he's smarter than most Christians. Look, the devil knows that once saved, always saved ain't biblical. He knows it. That's why he wants you to go back. That's why he's trying to claw you. That's why he's trying to use people to to oppress your mind where you just give in, just give up. I don't want to go to church no more. I'm done. I'm tired of all the trouble. And then, if you find yourself carrying that out, you do quit going to church. You do stop reading your Bible. You do stop praying. You stop attending to the things of God and you start dying inside. You start growing cold. And before you know it, just as the Bible says, you can find yourself like a dog returning to his own vomit. Because the Bible says so. This is a warning. Listen, not to the world, to us. To not leave what we have embraced. What have we embraced? Jesus Christ. What set us free from our sins? Nothing but the blood. Come on. What gave us peace within? No, boy, I tell you, I feel nothing but the blood. How can you lay your head down at night and go to sleep while the world is in chaos and you sleep not worried about anything because the blood of God's Son has covered you. You're protected. You ain't, you ain't living in fear. You got joy. Yeah, you have problems, but you don't have to turn. Turn back. Unbelief is a sin. Complaining, murmuring. We don't do that, do we? You don't complain, do you? You never complain, do you? Complain about this, complain about that, blah, 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 blah. Well, they don't have it as bad as I got it. They don't know what I go through. Da, 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 da. <laughs> and we start comparing ourselves to others. And we don't realize that all we're doing is digging ourselves a hole when we do that. The more you complain, the worse you become. That's why I, I've always had this sense that no matter what I go through, I don't need to complain no matter how hard it is. I don't need to be putting my fist up in the face of God. Say, why did you do this? Why is this happening? I don't need to do that. I don't need. I don't need to start blaming everybody in church. Y'all here? I need to realize God wants to do something in me through the problems. God wants to do something in me through the persecution. It ain't everybody else's fault that I'm being drawn to go back. It's my fault. It ain't everybody else's fault. It's something in us that needs to be corrected so that God can do what he wants to do that we do not turn back, but we keep going forward. He said in chapter 4, let us fear. 
fear. Let us fear. That's a godly fear. I don't walk around scared every day. I'm scared to death I might miss it. No, I don't live like that. But there's a godly fear down in this soul that tells me, Hey, boy, keep your heart right with Jesus every single day. Every hour, stay on the straight and narrow because if you don't, you can find yourself straying. So the fear is a good kind of fear. It's a healthy fear. Let us therefore fear, he said, lest the promise of entering into his rest, that's, that's the rest that Jesus has afforded us. Remember, he told the religious people, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You're worn down. You're weighed down with religious rules, laws, and regulations that you can't keep. And it's burying you in the ground. Jesus looked out and said, hey, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. He said, I'll give you rest in here. Rest. Spiritual rest. Joy. Peace, freedom from sin. You're not, you're not trying to change yourself. You're not trying to free yourself. You're resting in the one who's already done it all. Rest, he said, lest any of you should seem to come short of it. So you know you can start a race and not finish it. You could come short. Lest any of you should seem to come short of it. He said, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, referring to the Old Testament. Again, what you said this morning was so good. Because even in the Old Testament, they had the gospel preached to them, the prophets, the leaders. It, it's not, not like in the New Testament. We don't have, I mean, not like Paul did about the message of the cross, but they had the way presented to them. So they had, what they heard had to be mixed with faith. Faith is the opposite of unbelief. So they had to believe it. But the, the warning here is that just as those who heard the gospel under the old covenant, they didn't mix their faith with it, what was the end result? Millions of them, their carcasses fell dead in a wilderness. Their bones bleached in a wilderness. They died. They never entered into the promised land. And many of them lost their soul. I ain't going to say, oh, I'm not God. I don't know. But I know this. I believe some did. Why the warning? Because they, why? Why? Because they refused to believe. Believe. Accept it. Walk in it. Talk it. Live it. They wouldn't do it. And every time they, every time an obstacle got in their way, what did they do? Why? Did God bring us out here? Why did God let me get put in this position? Why God? Why God? Why did you do this? Why that? And oh, 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 and, and Moses is his fault too. 
He brought us out here to die in this wilderness. We were better off in Egypt. Have you lost your mind? You mean you think you were better off in some of them dead churches? Where there's nothing preached? Where there's no salvation? There's no power? There's no anointing? Some of y'all need to get out of them dead synagogues and get over here to family worship center where you can find some life, praise God. You're going to hear the gospel over here, but you got to mix your faith with it. You can't sit to people who come to this church here and watching this morning. You can't come and sit in this seat and hear the gospel preach and sit there and look at one another or talk to one another. Well, I don't believe that and I don't believe that and, da, da, and walk out the door and because a few little things that are not even, have nothing to do with salvation or whatever, you get stunned, you stumble over that and walk out and miss the whole message and the whole point of what God wanted to do. Do you know what that is? It's unbelief. And it'll cause you to stumble every time. It will cause you to stumble every time. I don't believe that. Hey, if it doesn't affect your salvation, get over it. If it's not a doctrinal issue, get over it. Satan uses that stuff to try to trip people up. Well, I don't like the way you said it. You wouldn't have liked some of the prophets of old. Some of you would hate, you might have hated the Apostle Paul. You might have hated Peter. You might have hated these men who had to stand boldly and tell people what God said to tell them. In the end, you're going to answer, not me. My responsibility is to give you what the Lord says. It's your responsibility to put some faith with it. If you don't put faith with it, it does you no good. You'll come into church and you'll go out the same way every time. You gotta let it, you gotta let your faith get mixed with it. What did Jesus say about in Matthew chapter 13 about the parable of the sower? The sower does what? He sows the seed. The seed ain't money. The seed is the word of God. The seed is the truth. The sower sows the seed. And it's up to you to let it fall on good ground. But if you don't let it happen, what do he say happens? That old devil, like a wild bird, comes along, snatches away that which was supposed to be planted into your soul, and you let the devil have his way. And people don't get saved. People don't get changed. People don't go any further than they are. And then he went on to say, the word gets choked. Nothing happens. Then you got the other people who let the cares of the world, the love of money, riches, husbands, wives, things, jobs, get in their way and choke out the word that's supposed to be put into that heart so fruit can come forth. And that was a warning. That parable was a warning. There are warnings in the Bible about going in the wrong direction. Not using your faith. What's faith? 
It's simply believing. You believe it. Just like coming in here sitting on the church pew, you didn't look at that seat and say, well, I wanted that seat to hold me up. You just sat down. It's time for some people to just sit down, sit down, sit down in Christ. Sit down. You can rest in Him. He'll hold you up. You won't fall. The pew, it won't break. He'll hold you up. You'll be protected. He'll give you what you need. You don't have to worry about trying to provide everything for yourself. Let Him do the providing. Let Him bring you the person He wants in your life. Let Him give you the job. Let Him do what He wants to do. But if the Word is not mixed with faith, there's no rest. He said, we which have believed, we that have believed, believed in what? Believed in Jesus Christ. We believe in the way. We have that have believed, we do enter into rest. I don't know about you. I guess I, I'm, I would say everybody that's here this morning, you did it. There was a time in your walk with God, you weren't resting. You were worrying. <laughs> you weren't resting. You were wrestling. You weren't resting. You were being opposed more than you should have been. You weren't resting. You were trying to do some things your own way. And all it did was make life miserable, hard. You love God and love with the Lord, but you're not happy in your walk with Him. You're not happy. You're not joyful about what he wants to do in your life like you should be. And it all goes back to this here. What are you putting your faith in? Because we who believe the message of the cross, this is what they believed. It was the message of the cross because it was Jesus Christ and him crucified for salvation. It was Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and raised from the dead that brought salvation to these people. They embraced it, they believed it, but now, because of the problems, because of some people mocking at you, laughing at you, ridiculing you, and the devil's using them, he wants to get to you because he wants you to let go of Jesus Christ. Let go of what God wants to do in your life. Just give in. I'd just be better off over there. It's a lie of Satan. And I can tell you, he's put a lure out for you. And he's, he's fishing for you. But you don't have to bite on it. You can stay hid in Christ. You can keep believing the gospel. And God's power will continue to work in you. And not make you weaker, but make you stronger. It'll backfire on the devil. You don't have to give in. You don't have to give up. You've got a choice to believe. So the scripture says, just as many of the ones, the Israelites of old, whose carcasses fell dead in the wilderness. They, they didn't make it into the promised land. Remember, God promised them through Moses, 
I have a land for you to possess. And I'm going, when you get there, I'm going to provide everything that you need. And oh, by the way, when you get there, just so you know, I don't want you to be surprised. There's going to be enemies in your land. There's going to be opposition in your land. There's going to be mockers in your land. There's going to be heathen in your land. And you are going to have to make sure, here's the part I want you to participate in. When you get into that land, remember in Deuteronomy, he said, when you get there, be careful that you don't start taking on their ways. Be careful we're in the world, but we ain't of the world. Be careful that when I take you there, that you don't look out and see all the... Because you're experiencing opposition and trouble, and it looks like all the heathen are blessed. Don't go running after their ways. Don't go coveting after their stuff. You stay where I put you. You trust me, and I will drive the enemies out of your land. Today, if you will trust Jesus Christ... God will drive covetousness out of your land. He will drive greed out of your heart. He will drive pride out. He will drive ego out. If you mix faith with the gospel and you believe it. He said, as I swore that they would enter into my rest... Although the works are finished from the foundation of the world, God already had a plan before time as we know ever existed. He already had a plan before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. He knew what he was going to do. He was not caught off guard. We are, but he's not. He already had a backup plan. We don't. He knew what he was going to do to redeem man after the devil deceived him and caused him to fall. And that would be to send his son to die on the cross. That's the plan. And it was there before the foundation of the world. And so God says, even though the works in his mind, they were already finished. They were already finished in his mind. He says it was going to happen. Nothing was going to stop it. And just as he finished... His works and also His works in reference to creation. Everything we see, this earth, God created it. But it said it's just as after the seventh day, God rested from everything that He created. Now, God don't need rest. The Bible says He doesn't sleep and He doesn't slumber. He's always awake. We're the ones who need rest. We're the ones who sleep and slumber. We're the ones... Who need an all-seeing eye watching over us all the time. See, we got a God this morning who sees us every hour, every minute, every day. He knows everything we do, everywhere we go. He got, he got his, he got his eye on us. Not looking in a, in a way that I'm waiting on you to do something wrong. He ain't like a lot of Christians. Because he already knows you're going to do it before you do it. I remember in the early days after being saved and being so in love with the Lord and I didn't want to sin. I didn't want to do anything contrary to God. I didn't want to fail Him. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. And man, when I did do it, when it happened, I thought I have let the Lord down. 
He's angry with me. I don't feel good. I know he don't like what I did. I'm sorry. I repent. And I would think, I used to think God must have really been caught off guard. (laughs) I've come to learn something over the years. He was there before you were. He knew what was going to happen before it ever happened. And that doesn't dismiss the fact that it does grieve him. It does bother him, but not near like it does us. If you're in love with Jesus when you sin and when you fail, you grieve and you hurt. And I believe you hurt worse than the Lord does because he's more merciful. He's more pitiful. He knows how to change us. He knows how to do things for us. So my point is that I would think that he was so caught off guard he didn't know all this was this was going to that I was going to do this, and maybe he's not going to forgive me. Maybe the devil was trying to trip me up, trying to make me think that, yeah, he ain't going to forgive you. You messed up, boy. Oh, you know you're called to preach. You know what you said. You know what you did. Oh, mm. if we could just sit here and tell stories all day, how many stories would we all have? Of the times Satan tried to use things to destroy us. But God, in every one of those situations, in every one of them, I can tell you today that God stepped in and turned every one of them around and got us right back on the right track. He kept on working our lives, kept on leading us to the truth because that's what God is good at doing. Turning it around. Take your failures and turn it into a victory. Take your weakness and make it a strong point. That's what God wants to do. But Satan wants to destroy us. He wants you to fall away. He wants you to quit believing the gospel. And again, let me, let me get a little bit ahead in chapter 4 here. Verse 8, he said, For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? In other words, comparing the old covenant to the new covenant. There was no rest under the old covenant. There was, there was let me say it like this, there was no real continual spiritual rest, I don't believe. Because the reason is that the law can't save the law can't change your heart the law can't give you peace keeping commandments listen trying to live by commandments will steal your peace it'll steal your joy it'll take you down a wrong road and there won't be any peace he said so he said if Jesus had given them rest, in other words, if the law brought the rest, then there's no need for the new covenant. But that's the purpose for the new covenant because the, the law, the old covenant, it had its purpose, but it couldn't save anybody. It couldn't change anybody. It couldn't bring the rest that the people needed. So he said, then would he have not uh, afterwards spoken of another day? The, the, another day is the new covenant. 
Another day is Calvary. Another day is what God would send His Son to do. Look, comparing the old with the new. The new is much more better. The new brings victory. The new brings change. The new brings, listen, the power of the Holy Ghost. The new brings the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then add that under the old. The new is much better. So why do you want the old? But you see, people are being pulled to go into a system that doesn't work. I believe God's people all over this world, there's Christians who love God, they're saved, but they're being pulled, pulled by false religion, pulled by family members that don't want the message of the cross. Some of you here and some of you watching, there's a battle with some of your family who are nothing but religious. They don't want no move of God. They don't want no power of the Holy Ghost. They don't want no speaking in tongues. They don't want the change that God wants to bring. And listen, and they don't like that you have it. And the devil will use them to attack you, to try to pull you. You need to tell them like the song Michaela sang, I'm not going to turn away. I got too much at stake. I've come, devil, I've come too far to turn back now. Every battle I've fought, you know what? He's brought me through it and he's going to take me through this one. I is soon going to be forgot because when I step into glory, I'm trading this old cross in for a crown, praise God. And when I do, the first one I'm going to see ain't going to be my mama. It ain't going to be daddy. It ain't going to be granny. It's going to be King Jesus, the one that died to set us free. That's who we're going to see. And listen, but if you stop believing... If you back up, if you turn away, you're jeopardizing your soul. He said there remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. We got rest today. I I don't have to labor and wear myself out trying to change myself. I can't. I don't have to labor and strive and wear myself out trying to change my wife because I found out after 25, 26 years, I can't do it. And vice versa, you can't change people. So what we got to learn to do all together is sit down and rest in Christ and stop with the finger pointing. Come on, y'all. Stop with the... You can't change her. She can't change you. You can't change them. Only Jesus Christ can bring the change. But if the person doesn't use faith mixed with the gospel, no change. There'll be no change because God has already told us in His Word how He works. And He's not changing you by your method. He is not changing you by your laws and your rules and I don't eat pork. He ain't changing any of that. If He changes us, 
It's going to be based upon us continuing to believe what brought us in. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who shed his blood on the cross for us that we today can have rest and peace. Boy, I'm glad. Boy, I tell you, I feel that rest and peace. Man, I mean, do you know how blessed you are this morning? Do you, Sometimes I think we need to be pinching ourselves. We need to be going back in time sometimes. We need to go back and remember where we used to be. Just just think about it for a minute. Lord, so I, I mean, I don't want to go back dwelling on all my past and all the things I did. I don't. But sometimes I do. I, I get a little trip back and I think the Lord takes me there to remember what kind of condition I was in from the time I was... 16 years old up until I got saved because it was in those years that I was the craziest. It was in those years that I should have been killed. It was in those years I should be in a graveyard. It was in those years that I was doing things that should have put me in the jail and under the jail. It was those years. But somehow God, in the midst of all those years, saw where we were going to be and he watched over and people says, God won't do anything for a sinner. Well, I'm going to disagree with you in one way and it's this. Now, he don't. God's not obligated to do anything for a sinner inwardly, spiritually because they ain't saved. But outwardly, (laughs) when there's people praying for you and God says, I hear your prayers, I'm going to put up a wall over here. I'm going to stop your son. <laughs> I'm going to do something. I'm going to protect him. The devil's trying to kill him. But I, I'm going to watch because you're praying. And the things, the times that the life was nothing but turmoil. You went to bed every night worried, worn out from sin. You get up and you're miserable. You have, there's no reason to even live really. Except to get up, go to work, get a paycheck, and wait for the end of the week to go get drunk and party. And all that does is destroys you. It's a never-ending cycle. You have no peace, you have no joy, there's no rest. But boy, when we came to Jesus, <laughs> it won't be long, just a couple of weeks. I think the devil's fought hard this month. 25 years. And I look and think, where did it go? 25. I've almost lived half of my life now for living for the Lord as I did living for the devil. And I'll be glad when I get to the point where I say, now I live more years for the Lord than I did the devil. But the peace, there was no peace. But when Jesus came that day, (laughs) when he arrested Thomas and Melissa Clymer, (laughs) and my mama said, boy, you can't change yourself. My mama said, boy, your wife ain't your problem. (laughs) You're your problem. Oh, the Holy Ghost took them words, Jerry, and said, stab me in the heart. And for the first time in my life, I listened 
to what mama was saying. And then you take mama speaking in other tongues on the phone and then that feeling coming down out of heaven and moving and washing over this old hard-hearted little sinner and taking all that black, dark heart and, and invading by the power of the Holy Spirit and saving our soul and, and setting us free. And for the first time in my life, I could say, my Lord, I feel good. I feel free. I didn't know what happened. And I couldn't explain anything. But boy, I know what happened now because the Bible tells me what happened. If any man therefore be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new at that very moment. God said, I'm going to save you because you're crying out to me. And I'm going to change you. I'm going to set you free. And I got more than a bargain for because I didn't know that my wife got it the same day. What a miracle. You don't, man, you don't, you don't know what a miracle. What a mess we were. How sick we were. How awful we were. How hateful we were. How hard hearted we were. And God says, I'm going to turn all that around. Now, there's rest. Even when the devil is battling us. Even when we're going through opposition. In here, there's still rest. We're not shaken from our foundation because it's solid. We can be tempted, we can be hit, but we don't have to be moved from the foundation because that's what will keep us. The foundation is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the blood. And we got as... As a result of us believing that every single day, what do we do? We keep our rest. The world is in chaos. People are nuts. People are dying. People are killing themselves like crazy. Government is partially to blame for it. The devil's mostly to blame because he uses anybody he can. He's used the government. He's used everything he can to oppress people, to make people's lives harder. But I believe even in the midst of that, God wants to bring salvation to people. He wants, just like he did us, you got to come to the end of your road. And if that's what it takes to come to, you, to the end of your road for gas to go up to, what, three, nearly $3 a gallon for uh, COVID to hit and everybody mask up and everybody stand away from each other and people are suicidal, people have lost their minds, they don't know what's going on, they're scared, they're living in fear. But you think about today, we ain't living in fear. I thought about this little snow deal. You know, I thought, well, this ain't nothing. We came through COVID. This church did. God brought us through COVID the whole time. They were telling everybody, mask up, sit down, shut up, stay away. We kept on having church. God moved. Some of you, the devil tried to tell you, I'm going to kill you with it. Well, look where you are right now. Don't look to me like you're dead. Look like you're alive and well and breathing in here this morning. How could that be? Because you got a God in heaven watching over you. And you can rest in Him today. And if for some reason you do go that way, guess what? You're going into the presence of God. COVID ain't nothing. (laughs) We don't have to be fearful of dying. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, I want to die right now. I want to die. Let me die. No. I want to see God move. 
I want to go to heaven. I'm ready for the rapture. But I want to see God save people right here while, while we're here. I ain't, you know, if I don't feel like it's my time to go, I'm going to be praying, Lord, don't, don't let me go. Lord, help me. Keep me to be able to continue to preach. But if I feel in my spirit like, hey, my time is up. God's taking me. I say, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I'm not God. So I don't know what he's going to do. But we do have that inward intuition that the inner inner intuition that's the spirit of god that sometimes we may feel like we're going out but something in us is fighting says no hang on hold on it ain't your time miss grace have you ever been there (laughs) i would say at 80 years old you've probably been there a few times but she's still here played just as good as anybody still here serving god and I know she's ready. I know she's ready. There's no doubt at any time if the Lord says, come on, Grace. Now, we don't want you to go. <laughs> no, we don't want you to go, but we know you ain't going to live forever. Come on, we ain't none of us going to live forever here. We want to keep our piano player. That's why I parked them up front this morning too. I told Melissa, they parking up front because we don't need to lose our piano player either. We're going to rearrange things. But we got rest today. No matter your age, look at Brother Swaggart pushing 90. He said, I'm breathing on 90. But look at the peace. Look at the joy. And I know, I know for a fact in my spirit, nobody has to tell me anything. I know he's battling with problems physically. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that. He's not going to live forever either on this earth. There's problems there. There's physical problems. I believe with both of them. I pray for them. But look at the love for God. Look at the way they're still going. And you have to face reality. No, they're not going to be here forever. God may take them home soon. I don't know. I felt, I've sensed in my spirit lately to pray for them more. Because they're aging. And it's just something that comes with living. But on the other hand, look at the love for God. Look at the zeal. Look at the movement of the Spirit in his life at that age. Lord, let me be like that if I live to be that old. Help me to be doing your work at that age if I'm here. Help me to still be trying to win souls. Help me to have my joy. Help me to have my peace even though my body may be breaking down. Help me to be able to go on for you. So the warning here is, listen, to not turn back. Because look, you've already came in to rest. You don't want to be unsettled. You don't want to be shaken up. You don't want to be moved. So, and and, and again, the warning here is, just as the children of Israel, many of them fell dead in the wilderness, they never reached the promised land. That's a warning to us that if we don't hold on to what brought us in, we can come short of heaven. I don't believe a person can lose their soul overnight. I don't believe that, but I do believe over time, if a person keeps going in a direction, the heart becomes harder, sin increases, and there's no longer any faith in Jesus if they die. It's 
It's eternity in hell. At what point it is, I don't know because I'm not God. But God knows. So I don't want to put somebody in hell overnight either because they slipped or messed up or they fell away overnight. But if their lifestyle continues to be one of evil, promoting the devil, promoting the works of the devil, they're in jeopardy of losing their soul. And that's just a, that's a fact. But the main issue here is unbelief. Turning away from what brought you in. Trampling underfoot the Son of God. Doing despite unto the Spirit of grace. It can happen. But praise God, we don't have to go there. Amen. Miss Grace, would you come just for a minute? I want you to play that little course, that little song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I feel like that's a good song for us to go out on. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, praise God. No turning back. Though none go with me, you watch and listen. You need to stand on this. I will follow. No turning back. Decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Listen, you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. You can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. No, none go with me, none go with me. Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow Though none go with me Still I will follow No turning back No turning back Course one more time have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning Everybody in the building, lift your hands. People watching, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those struggling, those that are being fought, those that are being attacked by Satan through whatever means, God, that you would sustain them, that you would speak to them right now, Lord, that you would build them, that you would show them there's better things waiting if they'll only hold on and believe. Lord, we thank you for the blood of your son. We thank you for rest today. 
in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray, God, that you would move. If there's anybody watching that's lost, that you would convict them, that they would open their heart right where they are and just cry out to Jesus Christ to come into their heart to forgive them of their sins and save them and change them, Lord, just as you did every one of us in this place, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We ask you to go with us, Lord, to protect us all as we leave, to go our separate ways, Lord, and to bring us all back together again. And, Lord, we pray that all the weather, everything would clear up, Lord, that everybody would be safe and protected. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless everybody. As you know the old saying, if the trumpet don't sound, Wednesday night will be We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee, Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.